Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm retired broadcaster Gord Whitehead, and we've covered so many areas here, Ron, in the last few months on our on our Making Money show. But now we want to talk about the addiction to prediction. It's a, it's a nice, got a nice ring to it. But there is a lot of truth in this, that there are people out there who use predictions to base their financial decisions, and that's really not a smart thing to do. No. In fact, media content, you find especially financial media content, is as much about entertainment as it's about providing financial information. And typically, you go to an investment show. They have one analyst after another that they parade on to the interview stage. And they ask them questions of, what do you think the economy is going to do? What do you think stock markets are going to do? What do you think inflation is going to do? What do you think currencies are going to do? What's your outlook for energy prices? What's your outlook for gold prices? And it goes on and on. And they hold these people up like they really know what they're talking about. You know, there's no question that these people are smart. So this is not a slag against some incredibly smart people. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are they accurate? Not are they smart, do they, do they wear their Armani suit really well? Do they have good information at their disposal? Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah. You know, do they have an army of analysts working for them? The nub of the whole issue is that if you're going to invest based on that information... Is that information accurate enough? Is the success rate high enough so that you can base your investment decisions off of it and actually make money? And if you can't do that, and if they're not accurate enough, then you shouldn't be using that as the basis by which you make your investment decisions. Now, our premise today, and we're going to go through all different kinds of predictions this week and next week, is that this stuff doesn't work. In fact, I've been talking about this for the last 30 years, that these predictions aren't often as accurate as a coin toss. And so that if you're using economic predictions to make your investment choices, you're going to have mediocre results at best. And there's another way to do it. And we'll be talking about the other way to do it. We're going to do a two-part series on this show. So the second part will include how do you use the right kind of economic information to make your investment decisions and learning what's entertainment and what really works. And this is the key to making money. You have to know what works that has a high probability outcome. High probability outcomes mean that if you follow the advice, the chances of making money are higher than the chances of losing money. And so if you have high probability outcomes where 70% of the time that advice works and you repeat that over and over again over the years, you're going to do extraordinarily well with your investing. But if you're following advice that's right 25, 30, or 40% of the time, the more often you repeat it, the more money you're going to lose. So it's absolutely key that you learn what is white noise, what is entertainment, and what actually works. All right, let's start with economic predictions. So what's the economy going to do over the next two years or three years? I don't know how people make those predictions, but there are a lot of smart people that try. How often are they right? Well, a study was uh, done to show how good economists are at calling recessions. Actually, there was a research paper done 
by uh, Heights and uh, Lagani called Can Economists Predict Recessions? I'll let you figure out in your own mind whether you do the math in your head when I tell you the numbers. And the study looked at the big recession we had globally in 2008 and 2009. And there were 62 recessions globally in the big meltdown that we had because of the financial crisis, especially with mortgages and real estate. And economists predicted zero out of the- 62. Out of 62. And so you figure out what zero out of 62 is as far as percentage basis, <laughs> and you don't need a higher degree in mathematics to figure it's out- a lot this, of zeros. Is that zero divided by anything is Doesn't zero. Doesn't matter where you put the decimal point, it's still zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you look at 2008 to 2012, and there was 88 recessions globally during that period. Economists got up more of them correct, but they only predicted 11 of them. Which is about- 12%, 12.5%. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that, and we call this top-down investing, where you decide if you're going to invest based by your macro or global view. So if you think that the outlook is good globally, then you narrow it down and say, well, if the world economy is growing, what area of the world's going to grow best? So then you get it a little more focused. Then you go, well, if this country is going to grow the best, what sectors in this country, com country are going to grow the best? Then what industries are going to grow the best? And what companies are going to grow the best? So you start with your macro view. But if your macro view is wrong, and that's what you're using as the foundation for investing, you think the economy is going to be good, and it sucks. So you have 62 recessions globally, and nobody predicted them. And all of a sudden, your investments go down with the recession that we experienced during that time. And of course, the markets were down globally 57%. Well, that's probably not the best way when you had zero economists even saw it coming. Economists often take a bad rap. I, I, I've read a lot of different things, different articles by them and stuff. And some of their, some of their forecasting seems to me, it's almost like it's imagination. Is that, would that be fair? Well, I, I think trying to predict outcomes is just a real mugs game because there's so many variables that go into it. I think it's important to look at the numbers that economists produce. You know, if, if you look at export numbers, for example, and you see that the, one of the key export industries in the United States is media. You know, Hollywood is a big exporter, has been for years. Well, that might twig you onto the fact that Disney might be a good place to look because they're a key Hollywood player. Or that airplane in aerospace is a huge exporter, a very profitable exporter. So you might look at the airline industry, aerospace industry, you might look at suppliers, manufacturers as a place to invest. So they provide lots of good data which you can mine down. But basing predictions off that of telling you where things are going to be six months, a year, two years from now, frankly, it doesn't work. And we've got lots of proof for that in the next coming shows. Okay, interest rate predictions. How have they done there? Well, in 2010, Reuters surveyed 16 dealers. And these are guys that buy short-term investment interests, basically bonds and treasury bills, off the Federal Reserve, which is the U.S. Central Bank. 
and they were asked where they thought the interest rate on 10-year bonds would be a year forward. And the consensus was that rates would be from 25 to 3.2%. Rates actually fell to one and three quarters. And the source for this is the accuracy of experts by Larry Swedrow. And these primary dealers are the closest thing you get to the chairman of the Federal Reserve. They share data with each other. They, they hear what's going on in the street. So if anybody has the ability to have a really good view of what the Fed is thinking and what they're going to do, these guys do, probably better than anyone else. Here again, it's just another example of their inability to predict what's going on. Well, and there's been a good example of that over the last little while. U.S. President Trump has been after the Federal Reserve down there to cut rates, and they've been holding steady. I think there's some talk now that there might be some rate softening coming because the economy's slowing a little bit, but that that's a game that's been going on. They've been at loggerheads here ever since he was elected. Oh, and you go back to just the beginning of 2019, and the <clears throat> conventional wisdom was even early in the year that uh, we could see three more rate hikes in, uh, the, in the United States. So using this as a foundation for what you plan to do is it's really fraught with danger because if the prediction isn't right, then how are you going to invest off that information? If it's wrong, you're starting, you're starting off on the wrong foot and you can't make a good underlying decision if, if your premise is wrong to begin with. Inflation. You and I have been around long enough. We remember when inflation was up at 20% or whatever it was, or 18%, and interest rates were way up, and people were losing their homes, but they were making big money if they had money to invest at that time. Ever since then, uh, I don't know, hopefully we'll never see a return to those kinds of levels. Inflation has been something that's been pretty well wrangled, but to try to predict what it's going to do could be pretty risky. And of course, the consensus here over the last few years was that inflation was going to move higher with all the borrowing and the printing of money that central banks have done. And we haven't seen an increase in inflation. In fact, uh, William Sheridan, his book, Fortune Sellers, actually looked at some of the most prestigious financial prognosticators. He ran a baseline. He said, well, what happens if I just say that inflation's gonna stay the same quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter going forward versus the financial prognosticators who were saying it's gonna go up, it's gonna go down, it's gonna do this. And they found that by just predicting that inflation was gonna stay the same quarter after quarter after quarter, which is a non-prediction, you're just doing the same thing, he was far more accurate than the prognosticators that they had all kinds of reasons it was going up or down and just defaulting to a position quarter after quarter, he had better results. Than all the people with their supercomputers and PhDs and economics and everything else. That, that's an interesting one. That's really interesting. And of course, you use inflation. If inflation's going up, generally interest rates are going up. Inflation's going down, rates go down. So especially if you're a fixed income investor, knowing where inflation's gonna go and using that as your premise, tells you where you want to be in the bond market, or if inflation's going higher, uh, then often you're getting commodity stocks, you're getting gold stocks are moving higher. And of course, if you predict inflation's going up and it actually stays the same or going down, and you're betting that rates are going to go higher or gold's going to go higher because of your view on inflation and doesn't, well, you're going to get punished. You're going to get financially punished. 
All right, one more here. Stock market predictions. Oh, boy. How many of these have you seen, Ron? <laughs> well, you know, and this is general predictions. This is not individual stock predictions. We're going to get into that soon. But generally, when you look at where the market is going, there's a Bloomberg journalist by the name of Lou Wang. And he did a survey. And between 1999 and 2017, Wall Street analysts never once predicted a down year in stock markets. Not once. And this in is 18 a, years. In 18 years. And their average annual predicted gain was 9%. And this is from an article in 2017. It, it's entitled, uh, The Longest S&P Rally Ever. And so, you know, the what you do by looking at this and seeing that they never, ever predict negativity, ever, is you realize that these guys are paid to be positive. These guys are paid to tell you good news all the time, and they never see the bad news coming. And so when you've got zero of them predicting bad news, bad news, and you've got the average predicted gain of 9%, I mean, those are phenomenal, a 9% gain every year for literally 18 years, the average gain, and the markets didn't come close to that. So you've, you've got to take these predictions with a bit of a grain of salt because it's not like I said that these people aren't smart, but it's just an area that is really fraught with inability to do it accurately. So there's nothing disparaging about these people, but you just can't believe this stuff because it doesn't have a high reflection of accuracy and you can't make an investment decisions off of it. Got some other areas where predictions have been uh, less than sterling, which we will cover in our next installment. And, and we'll also drill down into why it is they're wrong and, and what you can do to base your investment strategy to maybe not pay as much attention to the predictions. Treat it as entertainment or, you know, I'm, this might be a little disparaging, white noise. White noise. All right. Back with more on that, our next edition of the Making Money Show. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll see you soon. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.